works in on the right side. Bunting into the corner. Bunting playing it around the boards. It comes in front. They, no, they score! Willie Nylander in front of the goal. Tips it home. And the Maple Leafs draw first blood on a huge bouncing break. Marner centering it in front. It comes back to the blue line. Grabbing it now, the stick handed to the goalkeeper. Shot from the point. Scores! Holy Mackinac! The Leafs have gained a two-goal lead. Mitch Marner on a point shot. Shot back in, blocked by the Maple Leafs. O'Reilly doing a wonderful job, and he clears it the rest of the way down the ice. Ten seconds left. Barkov working back through center. Six, five, four, into the corner. Swallow it up, Morgan, he does. The game is over. Step one completes. It's Baby Friday on the Fan Morning Show. Justin Cuthbert and Brent Gunning. The Toronto Maple Leafs with a 2-1 victory in Game 4 to extend the Eastern Conference Final. Gunner, how are we feeling this morning? They're going to do it to me, aren't they? They're going <laughs> to suck me back in. I've been murdering these guys in cold blood on these very airwaves for three. Actually, I was working Sunday night. Make that four straight days. And now... Finally, like manna from heaven, the rain is coming. I'm like Andy Dufresne <laughs> and Shawshank, and I'm ready to get hurt again, baby. Let's do it. Game five tomorrow. Wake up, Leafs Nation. Okay. Cut that. I want that out there on IG. Yeah, the camera's get on. That. We got the cameras on you. It's not on me, so I hope it's on you. Uh, that was a wonderful start, Gunner, bringing the energy. And we want that energy from you at 730. We're taking your calls. Call us at 416-870-0590-188-666-0590 or star on your Rogers cell phone. You can always text us at any time at 590-590. Uh, I just want to pull back the curtain. That was not planned, okay? You and I have been sitting here kind of half-heartedly sketching out the, you know, okay, talk about this, talk about that. What do you want to do? I don't know. Maybe we'll start here. Maybe we'll start there. And that just, it just took over me. You might, you know what I think it was. I haven't, I haven't felt it in a week's time. I'm feeling the tingle. I think it was the passion just filtering <laughs> through me. The and it just took over. through your veins. Buddy. I love it. Might have been a little bit of the ABBA too. <laughs> a lot of it's, it. <laughs> Joe Bowen's voice mixed with the ABBA. Ah, there it is. That pretty, was, that was also the secret ingredient. Pretty, pretty good. Uh, and it was a pretty good effort uh, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I don't want to call it a defensive masterclass by any means, but a real honest, real solid, real quality defensive effort on the road. Really what paved the way for that victory. You put on your work boots and you went to work. It was the thing we asked for. We did not ask, despite all the frustrations of two goals, and we're still sitting here throughout the entirety of the series. Two goals, two goals, two goals. It's all you're able to muster. Who cares if you only can get two goals? That is what everyone has been asking for. Just drill down, dial down. Look like you care. And boy, did they do that last night. Almost to a man. We can go through, talk about all the big boys fitting who got the goals last night. Uh, man, just, and of course, you're going to have a lot to say about Joe Wall. But that's the thing that jumped out to me is, yeah, I actually did expect it to be a 6 nothing drubbing and the stars are all high flying. But this is so much more encouraging than that. A 6 nothing win where Florida looks kind of checked out and they've taken their foot off the gas and the Leafs are playing loose and free. We've seen that before. This a little different. Again, I, I'll still be shocked if they come back. That'll be the last time I say it this morning because I don't want to be Debbie Downer this morning. Mm. But 
that was so much more encouraging than a offensive masterclass would have been to me personally. Yeah, and I, it wasn't like you were leaning on the like the tried and true time honored structure. It was an 11-7 game. It was Find Sheldon Keith feeling it. It was a lot of guys stepping up individually and sort of setting the tone and allowing everyone else to get on their backs. I mean, we'll go through the core four. We'll go through the top uh, players in this game. We'll go through the, you know the defenseman that really stepped up in an eleven mm-hmm. seven format. But this was. It wasn't ad lib, but it wasn't like, you know, hey, we did it three times already this way, and we're going to do it exactly again. It was kind of patchwork to start, and they settled into what was a really, really strong defensive game and a quality road game. And I don't know if, like, some of the things that we've been missing uh, have come, have rushed in all of a sudden, things like patience and nerve and, and and confidence and all those, like, little intangibles, the things that are not really measurable, but we can just put our own spin on. Did they, like harness that did they capture all that and put it on the ice i don't really know if that's exactly what happened but there were things that we didn't see in previous games that they were able to put out there and it was again kind of patchwork it was just whoever was going who's giving you this and i do think sheldon keith does deserve some credit for putting that together and i think it does start though with the seven defensemen and maybe a look that gives them at least more options because I think when we're looking at the defense core options is very, very important given Mm -hmm. that there's some incomplete uh, contributors back there. For sure. Mark Giordano had a great game, but Mark Giordano can't be asked to do too much. If this is baby Friday, there's baby eating some crow of Mark Giordano. I said to you, I wanted no part of him. If you were going 11 and seven, let me tell you, Eric Gustafson would not have done what he did last night. And you didn't need the Eric Gustafson goals. And if it was high event Gustafson, it might've been, you might've been in trouble, but like Justin Hall stepped up and played really well. Mm -hmm. And the guys that we expect like TJ Brody and Jake McCabe spread out over different pairings. They were the ones being carried by guys who yeah. have seen, who have been scratched in the playoffs so far, have been demoted in the playoffs so far. So I don't know exactly where the source came from. And you have to put your own spin and yep. your own self-serving sort of uh, biases on it. But they found enough within that 11-7 format, within that coaching, within that game plan uh, to win that game. And that's really all that matters. That entire game is kind of, if I can boil it down to what it felt like, you know, you'll see it all the time. We saw it at the very end of last night's game where defensive structure goes out the window. A team's pulled the goalie. They got six skaters out there. Guys are flying around. Stuff's getting filtered to the net. And it's not, oh, okay, better pass off my man to the next defender. No, it is just find a way. Hack to the bone, find a way to chip a puck out. And that was the entirety of last night's effort. Not to say they went away from their structure, but it was, okay, we got to mess with the pairs. We're going to do that. It's 11 and 7, so there are really no forward lines. There's some combinations we like, but I'm going to, you know, you saw you, you saw Keith doing that really well last night with the idea of which, which big forward is going well. Okay, they're getting out there with Lafferty and camp and I, I i like the way you you use that mix as well so uh, i i'm totally with you i don't know that this is some ah there it is there's the recipe there's the blueprint there are definitely pieces out of this that you should take forward and be part of every game but i don't think that this is some proof positive of oh they've unlocked it and now they can go win three straight against the panthers there are other ways you can beat this panthers team one of them was goalie bob starting to show a little bit of signs of maybe the other goalie bob at least one bad at least one bad one which you haven't seen in this series yet so i think last night massive massive step obviously they they kept their season alive but just the way they did it and again it's just the fact that it was 
with grit, with guile, with spit, with scotch tape, however you had to do it, finding a way, it's just so important because that's been the criticism of this team. It's not been, you're not good enough. And from some people, not from me, it's not even been the tactics aren't good enough. It has been, there is not a drilling down. There is not a seeming desire. So to see it all last night, just so, so encouraging. Uh, if the least were looking around the room or at least waiting for someone to step up and really lead uh, from the front, I think William Nylander, Morgan Riley were the best players early in the game and gave them yep. a chance to settle into the game. Uh, I don't know if they're Chris Pronger from 2010 with the Philadelphia Flyers or Justin Williams in 2014. Maybe with the if Los you Angeles stack Kings. them on top of each other, they Perhaps. could be Chris Pronger. Perhaps. Like the two of them in a trench coat is probably one Chris be Pronger. Pretty I think. impressive. Uh, pretty impressive. You have to uh, go. Kneel- no offense to Mo, you got to go Nylander on top. You want that lettuce? <laughs> you want that face up there? So yeah, 100, 100. Um, but I think if we're gonna. St- Talk about individuals, we should start with Mitch Marner. Uh, Mitch Marner did score the winning goal, the eventual game winner. It was the bad one on Bob. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was an interesting night, though, for Mitch Marner. It wasn't a full victory lap in the post game. Uh, the last we saw of him on the ice was getting mugged by Matthew Kachuk, but he did celebrate a big, big goal. Uh, to break up what was, I think, an inconsistent start to the game. Where Mm -hmm. were you at on Mitch Marner? Because he was, you know, front and center after the comments uh, in the media and how many times did he get trotted out in front of the media while we waited for Mm -hmm. this game? Uh, Probably too many times. (laughs) Uh, But Mitch Marner um, has a moment, a moment certainly to build on. Is this guy fixed? Uh, Did he find himself? Did he find his swagger? I don't know if he found his swagger. But Mitch Marner scored a massive goal and... If it was going to happen to someone, a stroke of fortune, yep. it's probably good that it was Mitch. Yeah, I don't think much in the way nobody on the Leafs needed the game six winner in overtime over Tampa more than John Tavares did. Nobody needed that more to have that narrative. And again, uh, we don't need to replay the last three days of shows, but then undoing the narrative in, in the second round. But nobody at that time needed it. And look, the Leafs just needed to find a way. It wouldn't have mattered if it was Eric Gustafson who who got the goal last night. But the fact that it's Marner, the fact that he can leave that game feeling good about himself. And, you know, we always talk about the way teams match up with each other in terms of series. And this is a good series for this team or a bad series. And, you know, even for certain players, you know, Tavares in a Tampa series where it's a little slower and grindier, he can look a little better than he does in this Florida series where there's a little more pace out there. You know, a guy like Marner thrives when there's more space in the game. And that is not to say that he isn't a, a excellent defensive forward and is capable of playing in tight checking games. Of course he is. But we see Marner when he is at his best, and it's when he is flying up and down the ice and making these incredible passes and holding on to the puck and holding on and waiting for seams to open. And that's just not this series right now. So I'm not surprised that he's looked the way he does. I don't think this is some, you know, breakthrough game for him where he's back to the old magic Mitch. No, I don't think it's anything like that, but I think that one goal going in for him just might be enough to kind of allow it to click the switch or let him find a next level. But I go back to what I said, this Panther series isn't the one for him. And that's not say he can't be useful. That's not say he can't be helpful. But if you were just looking at, you know, forget everything we've seen up to this point, just heading into the series. If I was going to give you series MVP odds, it'd be the goalies. It would have been Matthew Kachuk. And then, and Morgan Riley is probably ahead of there for me before I go to Marner. Matthews is probably there for me before you go to Marner. It's just a style Willie. of play. Willie's there for me before I go to Marner, and that's just a style of play thing. So I'm I'm not too surprised it looked the way it did. 
awesome that it went in for him and hopefully it kind of spurns him going forward. So the headline were going to be about Mitch Marner waking up this morning regardless, right? And and I think... No doubt about it. Partially unfair, partially just because he created this... Well, not unfair because he did create the narrative for Mm -hmm. himself, but it's the narrative that was going to shape it. People wanted to read about Mitch Marner this Mm -hmm. morning 100% and really a shot that should never have gone in went from those headlines going from bad, negative, yep. to very, very positive. And uh, I don't know, does he deserve that? I'm not really sure. I mean, the puck did go in the net, so you have to give him that, and you can't take that away from him. But this wasn't the Mitch Marner that we saw in the regular season. It wasn't the Mitch Marner at times, I guess, versus the Tampa Bay Lightning. This was not an overly impressive game. This was, in fact, I think, more of digging the hole for a lot of it. And I thought early on in the game, it was more yeah, demonstrating. second on the team in giveaways, one in the defensive zone. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the, early in the game was more about demonstration than like real, genuine Mitch Marner performance because he was throwing the body around. And mm-hmm. you give him credit, he's throwing the body around. He's, but like, I think he's doing it or it comes across as least as like, hey, look at this. I am doing what you're asking me to do. I am showing the passion that you think I lack. I am listening to the media. <laughs> that's what it felt like in the moment because like, that's not Mitch. And like, I get it. You're, you're, you're throwing the body around. That's cool. That's great. Yep. It's not you, though. And it's not what makes you special. So you can mix that in. But if that's all you're really doing and you're not being productive in these shifts and you're still giving the puck away and you still don't look like yourself, it's still the Mitch Marner that's not getting it done in the playoffs. But you hang around long enough in a game that's one nothing. And you spend enough time in the offensive zone after guys like Morgan Riley and William Nylander get you more and more and more of opportunity there, then good things can happen. And good things happen when Timothy Lilligren pinched, Jake McCabe got him the puck, and he got a shot on net with a decent screen in front. So Mitch Marner hung around in that game long enough or prevented himself from making that big mistake or didn't see one of his teammates make that big mistake long enough where he could have a really, really positive impact on the game. And this is a guy who is affected 100% by the things that are happening on the ice. So when you say John Tavares, it was important for him to score in game six versus the Tampa Bay Lightning. For anyone to score that goal, it's important that it was Mitch because it has him feeling like, hey, I just led my team to a victory. When in reality, it, it it didn't quite play out that way. But in his mind, he can grasp onto that. He can carry the momentum of that into a game five and then maybe you fixed one of the main problems which is mitch marner not playing like mitch marner so for that to happen to mitch very very important yeah it's, it, it is massive and you know i want to be i want to be careful you know not to go too far the other way i look he did not have a incredible unreal game last night he scored the winner he has had plenty of games in his leaf career even in big games that matter I don't know about elimination games necessarily, but big games that matter where he has put up the performance of a guy who deserves two and two and he's walked away pointless. So I don't want to go too far in the other direction of of killing him for finding a way, but I'm with you. This was not the this was not the sea change breakthrough game, but maybe the fact that re- the result changes it. Uh, what do you think people are reacting to? I mean, the, the end of the game stuff, there's plenty to get to there. The Gudis on bunting, we'll talk about that. But I think just sticking with Marner... How much do you think the narrative, the conversation around him today is obviously the biggest thing shaping it is that he scored a goal and won the game, 1,000%. But Matt Kachuk punching him in the face and him laughing it off after after realizing this is going to look really cool if I laugh it off. And, hey, I wouldn't have the foresight to uh, be laughing it off after getting punched in the face by Matthew Kachuk either. Uh, How do you think that kind of colors the way people are, are feeling about Mitch today? Does it at all? I don't think it has any impact, really. Like, you hear him in the post game, and we could go to that clip in a second, and he's he's kind of, like, laughing it off. And he used to play on a line with the London mm-hmm. Knights with Matthew Kachuk, so they know each other. He knows his tactics. 
Uh, but if you really wanted to color an opinion, if he dropped the gloves and started punching Matthew Kachuk back, I mean, then we're really we're really talking, and we're really talking about a demonstration then. And you don't expect that, but I'm not really sure what he's going to do there other than be himself, which is a guy who's not going to be the physically superior uh, person in that moment and that he's not going to really engage. And I, I just don't think, personally... I don't really take much from it. Do you glean anything really from it? No, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have wanted him to do what you referenced there. I don't think him stooping to Matthew Kachuk's level. And I want to be clear, I'd feel very differently if this is Austin Matthews. That's a bigger man who can handle himself a little better. And look, you know, Mitch Marner's a a an athlete in the NHL. This is not some, you know, pipsqueak who can't handle it. Matthew Kachuk's a beast. Okay, you don't want those problems. And I don't think that that would have been good in his mo they won the game take the high road all that stuff i do think there is a little something and it's not much but it is a little something to and it feels weird for complimenting a guy for getting punched in the face but he just stood there and got punched in the face he didn't try to hide behind a linesman he didn't try to worm his way into a pile and i think for people who have talked about can you stand there and can you look a challenge in the face and know it's going to be tough and take it head on and is this a lot of like you know i'm i'm uh, trying to read way too much into a small moment a little bit but i do think there are some people who will see that and say wow he didn't turtle wow he didn't shy mm. away yeah would are the, would those exact same people have loved it a thousand percent more if he did drop the gloves and punch Matthew Chuck? in the face no doubt about it but for mitch marner that was the best version of it you were getting and honestly i i i do think it matters it does not matter a ton but i think it's a little something i do yeah i don't know if i love the optics of the the austin matthews move which is just smiling and letting it. someone punch i like, defended uh, that so much in the time and it might be the thing i've been most wrong about in my life and i've been wrong about a lot Give me the bunting thing where you're not going to fight, but you're at least showing some aggression. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like that's sort of the balance that I'm looking for. Let's get to the Marner clip when asked about uh, the late game tactics from his former line mate and current foe, Matthew Kachuk. Well, I know exactly what he's going to try to do, so just stay uh, poised and you know, don't really give a fly and uh, you know what the next word is. We do know what the next word it's is. It's a swear. That's why I couldn't <laughs> say it. That's close to shambles in the brain. It's it's. Uh, I don't know if we can effectively use that drop as as well, but uh, uh, yeah, maybe it didn't come out. Exactly. You know when that drop would have been good is when we were taking calls on Monday morning, and we had about four callers who who actually were about to and stopped themselves from swearing without Santos having to dump it. Yeah. So that's where I think it's of useful. You know what the next word is. That's that's the one and only use, I think, for it. So I don't know. Maybe be ready at 7.30, Sam, man. Uh, so two goals again, six time in a row that the Maple Leafs have only scored, have scored exactly two goals. Uh, it's strange. It's obviously good that they get the victory. It says maybe a lot about Joseph Wall or the defensive performance for the Toronto Maple Leafs. But it does point and suggest that the, I mean, you don't need the the numbers to back it up. The offense was anemic and mm -hmm. it continues to be anemic. And you're wondering why it, it, it continues to fail uh, in the manner that it has. And I guess for me, it's easy to look at the other two because William Nylander and Mitch Marner both scored. Mm -hmm. But I think maybe more so Mitch than Willie, he's lumped in it, into it as well. But you can actually see why it's been a struggle for John Tavares. It's a fast series, right? And Man. he had opportunities in this game. And that I'm thinking like last five, <laughs> five years ago, like John Tavares literally only needs like the time it took 
Radko Gudis to mm-hmm. make contact with David Camp to actually make good on these. Oh, you mean an eternity? No, okay, I, I kid, I kid. <laughs> a, but like a quarter of a second. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. He, that's what he's lost, right? And he had all these uh, these these chances, wasn't even able to get shots on net. And that like that's the story of John Tavares. Like it's like you're trying. And he's really, really trying. I give him a lot of credit for how he played last night. He was working really hard. You felt like he was trying to do his best to lead, but he's about a half second behind nowadays. Uh And then Austin Matthews was interesting because I don't think he played particularly well. I think people were... Uh, people were trying to be complimentary uh-huh. of his game, but there was one moment where it was like, oh, he's he's about to get the puck yep. in a really dangerous spot yep. with space, and he made a turn up ice, and it was slow and belabored, and he lost all the momentum, like John Tavares has been uh-huh. doing with these opportunities. And after the first time, I was like, he's not right. He's hurt. And I don't want to make excuses for him, and I don't want to guess, and I don't want to... Um, put it in a position where we're just like, oh, accepting that the lesser Austin Matthews is okay. Mm-hmm. But that, to me, one moment that stuck out like, oh, ooh, that's why it's not happening because he can't right now. I, I don't know how if you see it the same way. He's the guy, and I want to be clear, uh, you know, if you would have asked me this 24 hours ago, I would have said the season cannot end fast enough. But right now, hey, we're in it. Let's go. Content, baby. Let's continue. But once the season's over... There is nothing I would like to hear more than Austin Matthews has had a debilitating wrist injury all season long, and he's going to go undergo surgery. And (laughs) and unfortunately for him, he doesn't get to play any golf all summer. That'd be the worst news for him personally. But for me, that would be so comforting because that has been the thing that's lingered around this entire Leafs season. And you're right. People have gone out of their way, myself included. I'm doing the post game to talk about how strong he is defensively and he's doing well in face-offs and he's responsible and he's winning puck battles. And great, you're not paid 12 sheets a year because of all those things. You're paid it because you're supposed to score goals. It's great that he's blocking shots. But yeah, and I do go back to that moment they showed. It was late in the third period in game three when he took the puck off the wrist. And we know it's been an, an injury spot for him now. If he's healthy enough to play, you can't sit here and make excuses for him. But he is the guy more than any other that this isn't a thing like with TJ Brody where it's happened in the last month, month and a half or so. He hasn't been right all year long. And he took the three weeks off and you came back and you thought, oh, this is it. This is the version of Matthews. And it was there for a week and a half, two weeks. And then it kind of slipped back to still a really strong two-way center, all that stuff, but not the offensive dynamo you need him to be. So yeah, definitely, definitely some concern there. Even the moment where earlier in the game where he had the look in the slot and it's just, it just goes back to what you saw from him early in the season of Austin Matthews in the slot hits the post. I'm fine with that. That's going to happen. Missing the net. That did not happen in the 60-goal season. And look, the 60-goal season was a one-on-one. It didn't happen in the 48-goal season either that he had the year before that. So I think that's uh, that, that it's definitely a cause for concern, for sure. So let's let's go to the defensive core. Uh, maybe we're not giving enough credit to William Nylander. Um, just to wrap up sort of the core four thing, he was awesome. He, he was. was. He was a rock star. He was. Um, you, know what he, you know what he did? He had some fun out there last night. He had fun. And when you say it's going to be fun and you relish in those moments and you actually play hard and look like you are not shying away and actually having fun. Like, I I think that's an important thing with William Nylander is we're talking about all this pressure and how it affects people. It affects him positively. It does. Yeah, you're right. It uh, it is a it is at worst a neutral thing to him. And and I think that's, (laughs) I mean, it's immensely important because we were you we were eulogizing. Excuse me for the last three days what might happen after mm-hmm. it would be almost it would be asinine on the surface removing context yep 
for uh, to move William Nylander when he is the from cost per point, $6.9 million, all, dollars, all that stuff. But he's actually the guy who performs in these moments. And you're looking to, you know, fix something about the here and now, not what we see through 82 games. If you moved William Nylander, you'd be moving the one guy who's comfortable in these moments. And it's not just it's not just these moments. I genuinely think there's something to it's these moments in this market. Yeah. Mitch Marner yes. would not be going through this if, if he shot the puck over the glass. The And, man, there was one moment in the third where I thought he almost did it last night. And if that would have been the undoing of the Leafs season, that would have been way too poetic. So very happy we didn't have to live that. I did just give myself a new nightmare for tonight. But that that's nobody else's problem. But when you look at... When you look at what that group did with Marner there, it's just comparing it to Nylander. He is a guy who it really does just roll like water off a duck's back. It does not affect him. And other guys will say, you'll hear from John Tavares. We we don't let the outside noise affect us. And he does it in his very best robot voice. And that's the only one he has. But you know, it does. You know, it affects him a little bit. Uh, Mitch Marner wouldn't be talking about. We don't care what everybody says. If he didn't know what everybody was saying, William Nylander. Somebody had to tell him the world was burning to ask that mm-hmm. question of, you go, why, well, why wouldn't I have fun? Like just his whole response to it lets him know that he is perfectly built for this. And it is the thing that will drive people the most nuts when it's going wrong, that he's so chill and like, hey, man, the sun will in fact come up tomorrow. Don't worry. It's just a game. Nobody wants to hear it when it's going bad, but that is what allows him to thrive the most in this market of any of the core four. And I'm not saying he's the best player because yeah. he's not, but personality wise, there is no doubt he is 1000% the best fit for this market. Yeah. He's the most ready to be in this situation. And people are giving him credit the other way, being like, look, look at how serious he is on the podium now. And it's just like that we're reading too much yes. into it. He does this podium stuff does not matter. What he said didn't matter. What he says now didn't mm-hmm. matter. He he likes being a Toronto Maple Leaf. Loves he it. likes playing in big situations. He steps up and doesn't shy away. That is William Nylander. And all the other stuff is just really noise because he does step up when it matters the most. Let's get to... Um, the decision to go with seven defensemen. And really my only takeaway is that seven defensemen is the only option moving forward. You don't have enough with six guys to get you through. Hmm. You can have too much of Geo. You can have too much of Lily. You can have too much of Hall. You can have too, too much of TJ Brody at this point. Yep. The only real one you can't have too much of is Morgan Riley, but seven defensemen actually allows you to get more out of Morgan Riley because he's not stapled to a pairing with Luke Shen. Yep. And if you try to give Luke Shen too much ice, you know what's going to happen. So I think the seven defenseman does a couple things. You get more situational know-how. You get guys who are better for certain situations, filling out sort of the bottom end of the rotation. Mm-hmm. But you also get to continue to weaponize Morgan Riley. Put him out there with different guys. Put him out there in shifts beyond Luke Shen, beyond the power play. I think the fact that they can weaponize Morgan Riley, they can they can handle the bottom end with more dedication to certain skills, certain situations, certain moments. Although what would really enhance that would be Gustafson, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But you get a little bit more from everyone because maybe there's a little bit rest, a little bit less of, hey, I'm out of, I'm a fish out of water in this certain, this position. But you get a lot more from Morgan Riley. I think he was an absolute rock star in the game. He was so, so good. 
And he was the guy. He was the guy from the jump that made me feel like the game was going to go differently. And 100%. to your point, Nylander also was doing that from a forward perspective. But it, it was, was those just, two. That was the, you saw Mo looking like he did in the Tampa series, where oh, he's going, and there's not. It's not the I'm going to force my way into it, but it is there's a little bit of room, and I'm going to make the right read and jump into a hole and go up in the rush. It's just that was that was the best version of Riley we've seen since early in that Tampa series. And to your point, he was the guy, him and Nylander in tandem from the drop of the puck. You said ah, maybe a little different tonight. He, he can affect more than just Luke Shen in this format. And you had Justin Hall, Mark Giordano, Timothy Lilligan all playing important roles in the victory. And I think the other thing that it does beyond a little bit more versatility at the back, a little bit more of Morgan Riley, is that it prevents the forward mix from going stale, which it has gone stale. Like, if Callie Yarncroke was taking every shift with Austin Matthews and mm-hmm. Mitch Marner, we'd be slamming Callie Yarncroke this morning. Yep. But when there's 11 forwards and you can throw William Nylander up, yep. you can throw Ryan O'Reilly up, you can mix and match a little bit more, you get a little, you're less you know, confined to what you brought to the table already. And it allows you to make adjustments on the fly. So both the forwards and the defense mix benefited by having an extra defenseman. I don't know how they can possibly go back to a okay, so let me, standard formation. Let here. me let me throw this at you. I'm not disagreeing with anything you're saying. And I don't think this is going to happen in this series based on the way they talked about him. But all we heard was that Matthew Nyes was out for games three and four. If he is healthy and available for game five, does that he's change in. your... He's in. He's in. So who is out then? I mean, to me... I'm okay taking Sam Lafferty out. You're okay taking Lafferty out? I, 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 I know think his pops. speed. It, he, he pops. His speed plays in the series. And I just think that get like... If we if we brainstorm it out, if you're going to keep Yarncroke up there, I guess, then you have Nyes, Bunting, and I just don't know that Kerfoot is the right fit for being alongside yeah. Camp in those moments. Okay, so uh, I, I, that's my only pushback, and I, I agree with everything you're saying about how, and I want to be clear, I hate 11-7, and 7, but you've laid it out. It mm-hmm. does make the Leafs' decor better, but I think that it's also that you've kind of found the right mix of forwards, and it's happened without Matthew Nyes. I don't know that there's somebody outside of Yarncroke, but I just don't see a world where they sit him. So knee jerk was Lafferty. I would seriously, seriously consider Yarncroke yeah. though. Because Yarncroke's been a net negative. Yeah. I mean no, he, I, and he's playing exclusively. I have no problem with it. It's just we know how these we know how these decisions are made. It's term. It's the only guy on the team with it outside of <laughs> Riley. They just signed him last year. It, it's it, it would be a it'd be a tough call to make. Now you're down three one in the series. You finally gave yourself some life. I don't think this is going to be an issue because if you read read between the tea leaves of everything they said about Nyes, now I wonder how much of that was trying to influence the NHL's decision of, mm-hmm. on a potential suspension there. But uh, hey, uh, if, if Nyes comes back, that's the only thing that makes me think a little differently about it because I really don't want to lose Lafferty. I'm not. It's not that he is some undeniable that can't be taken out, but just in a series with Florida where the speed is really an element and the Leafs just don't have it up front. It's weird to say because we think of them as this, this high-flying Leafs team, but man, they do not have guys that fly up front. Lafferty's probably the fastest straight line guy on the team. You know, Marner, Nylander, better skaters, whatever, but just straight ahead speed. I think Lafferty's probably the guy. He might be the best. He might be the fastest skater uh, on the team. And it is just, it's a, it's an element that is very apparent in this series. And I think that you pretty early on in a game without him in it could go, Ooh, where, where is, where is that gear that that has made the bottom of this lineup effective? Yeah. And and when I did like bring it up, it was more about Zach Aston Reese than Matthew Nyes. I mean, Matthew Nyes, you're going to make the decision because he was too much of a positive impact on 
on the top, if it's guys. At, and I want to be clear, like what you've got out of Aston Reese, uh, pretty much after the atrocious turnover nine seconds into the uh, the Tampa series, I've really liked what you've gotten uh, out of him. It's just it's there's so much more benefit to having that extra defenseman, I think, and because I'm they, shocked they cannot that I'm survive. It, back. But I agree with you. Yeah, they can't survive back there without having at least a little bit of insulation. Can we talk uh, about the savior at all? We haven't. We haven't. The, you know, the, the guy who's going to lead them to the promised land and win the Conn Smythe, You want to go to Joe Wall? Did you rush to bet that Conn No, Smythe? I didn't. If, if you were not going to bet it, look, we all know how creaky these Leafs goalies were. I know somebody involved with covering this Leafs team, and I don't tell tales out of school. You might have heard him introducing uh, the, the, goal, the goal call on this, who bet Joe Wall the win Conn Smythe at the beginning of this. If you're going to bet Joe Wall the win Conn Smythe, you had to do it at the beginning of everything. Samsonov, creaky, Matt Murray. I, <laughs> I mean, don't know. I, you might I mean, be able to find a 250 I mean, to 1 right now. You, you heard everything. It, if this was any other team, I would believe that. Mm-hmm. If any team was going to have their third-string goalie after looking good for uh, 74 minutes of playing hockey now, it's going to be the Leafs that would have that number nuked. But, yeah, I mean, how he is... I'm not going to say the biggest part of the game because everybody needed... We needed to start with the Stars. The D was good last night, but there were... That was a one. That was a one-shot game for so much of it, and he just stood in there and held his own. I don't think there were a ton of ten bellers he had to make. I don't think this was some ah, this is the future, clear as day. But playoff goaltending is about that. Is about living in the uncomfortable for so long, and he just didn't look uncomfortable in that moment in such a big spot. Your whole season on the line. The team has worked hard to give themselves a lead, but they weren't able to give themselves insurance for so long, and that is the biggest thing that stands out. It's not any one individual save he makes. You know, I know Simmer pointed out a, a great play late in the game where he kind of keeps keeps the puck moving, avoids a defensive zone faceoff. Those are little things, and those are all important, but it's just a guy who... I, I don't know. I would have loved, like, on the PGA Tour, they have these, like, heart rate monitors, and you'll see it mm-hmm. before a guy hits a big shot sometimes. Did it get above 70 beats per minute last night? I'm sure it did, but it never felt like it, and that is the biggest thing. It's been the thing I've liked about him in every time I've seen him play goal for the Leafs, uh, this year specifically, and it's what jumped out to me the most last night. They may have struck a nice little situational or an unintended situational balance where it's like, okay, your subconscious takes over if you're a team that's playing with a goaltender that might be considered, at least in your head, lesser, Mm -hmm. right? Like you're, oh man, we got our third stringer in there. We have to prioritize the protection of Joseph Wall, one 100%. But the thing is, this guy's not, he's not swimming or over his head. No. He he has nerve. He has the thing that many of these Leafs have been criticized for not having, which was, which is uh, a, a, an undefined composure that can carry him through. And again, he, you're right. He was protected. He didn't have many ridiculous saves to make. He was beaten on a shot that ah, maybe he could have had. Uh, but it was, you know, uh, yeah, actually the one I will say the one goal, the fact that it dribbles through him that you never like, that's, that's but, the only yeah, reason why, I exactly. mean, if it was put into the top corner from that position, you're like, Oh, there's no chance, but it mm-hmm. did go through him. Um, but yeah, he did his job 100%. Um, and he wasn't tasked with doing too much. And that's all you can really ask for from a balance of a team, from a defensive standpoint, the goaltender that does their job and the team that puts puts in an honest effort in protecting him. And again, we're talking about lineup and changes. There under no circumstances am I changing anything about this lineup. Oh. I would be really disappointed if Ilya Samsonov is healthy and comes back in. Matt Nye's aside. Matt Nye's aside, I think that's the only thing you would do. I I I because because this worked. And and this was more of the, hey, this is how we beat Tampa thing. Mm-hmm. And that's what it should have been all along. 
It shouldn't have been, hey, wow, we have a, an opponent that likes to do things the way we have historically done things. We should just play in a track meet. We should yeah. just play a really high-tempo brand and see if we can go toe-to-toe and see whose goaltender is better. That's not the way to approach things. What they did against Tampa is how they should have approached this Florida series and the commitment to defense, the five men behind, the letting, the making sure that they have to go through you rather than around you or just break in transition. I mean, that looks so much better on this team. And I think part of it is, okay, we got Joseph Wall in net. We have to be a little bit more. We have to be sharp. I don't know if it was desperation. I don't, I think there's a little subconscious there in any way it happened. They had a committed defensive effort with a goaltender who held his nerve. And that right there is the recipe for success. Generally in the Stanley cup playoffs, especially when you have scorers who are waiting and able to pop. Eventually the goals are going to come. If they play long enough, they're going to score more than two goals in a game. Mm-hmm. But if you play like that defensively, I'm going to, I'm going to count on and believe in Joe wall getting it done. Yeah. And look, we're focused on last night's game, but let's not forget what they're up against here. They are trying to do the unthinkable. They are trying to be what the fifth team in NHL history to come back from an Oh three deficit in order to do that. Something crazy has to happen, okay? Somebody is going to have to completely go ice cold on the other side. Maybe that's Bobrovsky throwing up all over himself. Maybe it's Kachuk doing something dumb and he gets himself suspended and that kind of flips the series. That can happen. But on the other side of things, you need something crazy to happen on your end. And maybe that is Mitch Marner going nuclear in games five, six, and seven like we've never seen in a playoff series before. Maybe it's Austin Matthews deciding to rip three in the net in a closing game or one that you need to stay alive. But maybe, just maybe, it is a rookie goalie coming out of not nowhere, but coming out of the woodwork, part of the plan, but still a little ahead of schedule and finding some magic, finding some juju, whatever you want to call it. The net is walls until he loses. And guess what? Once he loses, the season's over, and then him and Elia can go duke it out with the with the contract of Matt Murray, because that's what I will be referring to him as, because that's all I ever want to think about him as uh, regarding the Toronto Maple Leafs. But that's it. You need something magical to happen. Like, I'm sorry. I know it's sport. You need a narrative to grab onto. You do. And these guys can look in that room, and it has nothing to do with Samsonov, because they got tons of faith in Sammy when he's going. But he got hurt. And I think those guys can look in that room. And, man, Austin Matthews, like, he doesn't look at Joe Wall as some kid. They got drafted the same year. He's like, I'm supposed to be here. He's supposed to be here. Mm-hmm. And guess what? He's performing, so what do I care where he was six months ago? I really think that having that that narrative thing for us to grasp onto and the fan base, 1,000%. But it matters so much more for the players, and that's why I don't think there's any world where you can go back outside of injury, of course. But outside of that, there's no way where you can make a goaltending change. Yeah, it's let's try this. Let's get on board. We got something here. And Joseph Wall, like I, we slam John Tavares for being robotic. I want Joseph Wall to be his oh, robotic self. I'm so happy. I'm so happy you brought this up. The thing that makes me feel the most confident about him in the whole world is that when I want to say it was the Ryan O'Reilly trade was made, he didn't know. He's like, I don't, I don't have a, I have a cell phone, but I'm not on the group chats and I don't do social. And I'm like, weirdo goalie. <laughs> Love it. You need a weirdo. He's not in the group chat, and he has no parts of social media. He loves to meditate in on this guy. Jack Campbell started walking his cats. I knew he was going to go on a heater because (laughs) goalies are weird, okay? So just having a little bit of weird stuff, I'm here for it. I love it. You got to knock on his door to get him out for dinner. Um, Okay, we saw one. Write him a a nice letter. He'll put it in his day planner. Slip it under his door. Uh, We're doing this at this time, bud. Um, 
We saw one new thing that we haven't seen all playoffs, which uh, was the Leafs in a late game lead preservation mode. Mm. Uh, It featured maybe the play, the defensive play of the year by Luke Shen, stopping, I believe, Carter Verhage from what would have been an easy goal based on the move that he put on. Uh, It looked like he was dead to rights, that being Luke Shen, and his big stick came flying away and knocked it off Verhage's stick. Uh, What a play. Um, but yeah, it was the first time we've seen this, right? Because they've only once won a regulation. regulation win, and it was they, a seven-two yeah, drubbing. It was yeah. all about overtime, and yeah, the seven-two drubbing. So we saw like that frenetic stuff. And I don't want to like I don't know if I'm making like huge judgments on it, but that's like Ryan O'Reilly's time to shine, for right? Sure, that's Ryan course. O'Reilly time. That's uh, that might be Nolachari time. That might be the newcomers' time. We're oh, doing yeah. the lead preservation thing. And I don't know if it was like sparkling by any means. It could have easily been a tie game. Uh, this team was given up six on five goals mm-hmm. with regularity at some point this season, not too long ago. Uh, but they kept it together. Um, and Ryan O'Reilly, despite clearly looking like something might be wrong, mm-hmm. still big in those moments. Found a way. That's what we talked about at the very start of the show. Those moments are not about your structure. It is not about making the proper hockey play at any given time. It is about scraping it, even if it is by a millimeter, over your blue line, forcing the team to come back. And then guess what? You get to do it all over again. That is what it's like when you got pick your time. You got a minute, you got two minutes, whatever it is in that. Obviously you don't want to be icing the puck left, right, and center. They did a pretty good job of avoiding that. Uh, if only they could avoid that fade in the first 50 some odd minutes of the game. God, this team loves to ice the puck. But yeah, I think O'Reilly, Achari, David Camp, I feel like uh, outside of nearly dying at the hands of Radko Gudis last night, I thought you've really kind of seen a resurgence uh, out of his game there. And I was worried when you know, thank goodness he came back in the game. But all of a sudden you lose David Camp and your center depth is take it as Pontus Holmberg back in the mix. And this was a guy we all love. But uh, the fact that I haven't seen him in six months means I don't want to see him in a playoff no. game. So, yeah, that was uh, that was that was really encouraging to see him come back. And he's a guy who is part of that mix as well. But O'Reilly, Achari, it's winning plays. It's all those cliches that make people roll their eyes when it's not happening. But guess what? It happened last night and it was beautiful. And Morgan Riley just eating it and taking that hit and mm-hmm. causing that fracas at the end. Like that that's just important stuff that okay, you gotta let's, do. Let's get into that. People are upset about this and I look, I can bash on the refs with the best of them. I can complain about the NHL's department but of players. Why, why are people upset with no, this? They, this they, happens they, at the end of every, every like, game. spirited one goal game in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Like nothing beyond the ordinary happened. Nothing. I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with this. You know, did, did Sam Bennett mount Jake McCabe and punch him in the head a few times? Yeah, guess what? Jake McCabe's punched some guys in the head in this play. Playoffs, okay, uh, it's it's one of these, uh, you know, six dozen of one, half a dozen of the other type scenarios. We went over the Marner and Kachuk stuff. You know, I'm seeing a little pushback on the text line of, I don't like that. I want him to fight back. Let me tell you, you would not have liked how it looked if Mitch Marner fought back against Matthew Kachuk. I guarantee you it wouldn't have made you feel any better about it uh, mm-hmm. than, than Marner laughing it off there. Uh, I will say regarding officiating uh, it's just, I mean, you have to laugh. They won the game, so who cares? But Michael Bunting bleeding from his nose and not they're only calling two minutes. Uh, you can't convince me of anything other than that's Michael Bunting and he's just never going to get a call in his life. I mean, he is a cut on the bridge yeah. of his nose. I could see the red with my own eyes on yeah. my television. I don't know how, like, do you have an answer for that? Is it, that's a scrape, not a cut? That's a, that's a boo-boo, not a cut? Like, uh, do, I, can you explain it to I me? I meant to rewatch it this morning, uh, and I didn't do that. So maybe I'll, we'll look at it. Okay. The, how about we look at so the break and then we'll, film, we'll, we'll like, do that. Okay, so it comes up, right? Yeah. And it looks like a visor cut. 
which is like because we we know the league definitely delineates when a stick goes. No, up it doesn't matter. It, right. It doesn't okay. matter, right? Okay. But like, okay, how how did that how did that cut happen? When did it happen? It looked like it came up. I don't know. That would cause the helmet to come down. Whatever. Was it cut right away? I'm not suggesting that this was '90s wrestling where he's reaching into the blood mat capsule with a little yeah a blood capsule or a razor blade <laughs> and a quick slice just to get the the blood flowing. But it it it, it looks strange in the moment. It looked clear and obvious on the bench. But again, we're kind of reserved to what we can see in the broadcast. Well, I, I have to laugh because you're watching and I look at this through the guys only I can of, uh, you know, my my love, Michael Bunting, doing this. If he has been told for, I don't know, he's only been a Leaf for two years, but somehow his entire life he's been told he isn't allowed to even look at an official. And he's just there just laughing, trying, because he knows. He mm-hmm. knows if he says too much, it's going to be the entire focus of the panel and all anybody's going to talk about is whining, bunting his back, and Kipper's going to come on with us in 17 minutes and kill him for doing all that if that would have happened. So he has to bite his tongue. But that that part of it, and again, they won. We don't need to every day make it a nuclear option with officiating of the NHL. That had to make me laugh. And the Gudis thing. Yeah, yeah, quickly, are you calling for a Gudis suspension? No, a suspension. My goodness. Anyone who it was wants. two minutes, though. It should have yes. been, been a penalty. Oh, you could have given them three separate minors on the play. You're going to give them two for rough, two for charge, two for interference. Go for it. That's fine. It's not a suspension. Alex Pedrangelo, try to cut off the hand of Leon Dreisaitl at the end of the game. Yeah. I'll be honest. I'm a caveman. I don't even know if that's a suspension. I don't know. I don't know. But the <laughs> unfortunately, McCabe- Darnell Nurse is going to get suspended yes, for an instigator with right. five minutes left, which is ridiculous given what we've seen exactly. across the league right well, now. Even the end of last night's game. It's like, you don't think there were some guys trying to initiate yeah, that some wasn't things? a fight with Sam Bennett and initiate. Exactly. Like, it's it's I, I if Darnell Nurse is suspended, I'm going to be very, very annoyed. Um, yeah, as a guy who has an Oilers future. So will I there. I do, too. There oh, you go. Look so at us. Same Oilers, um, brethren. Our Oilers. Just on no, the just on wrong. the goodest thing, it is it is an unbelievable hit. I mean, it is awesome. picture it was late, picture and it was perfect awesome. in every single way, other than it was a fraction of a second. Yep, late. Yep, and for that reason, it should have been a penalty. But and and one hundred percent, Gudis knows what he's doing. He's going. He's finishing that play because he knows he can light David Camp up, oh. and it wouldn't be. It would be a minor penalty at most. He's very and completely well aware of the situation, and so it's not like oh he didn't hear the whistle or whatever. No, he knew what was going on. He hit him and he punished him for it. It should have been a penalty. It should have been two minutes. Beyond that, nothing. Yeah, I'm I'm exactly with you there. And again, I had to laugh at the cruelest still, I think, in, in TV history of them just freezing on David Kampf right as he has got lit up there. And he's just like looking into space. Where am I right that now? That was like a boxer or it's a UFC not, fighter that's on the ground. It was with not still, good. Still image, yeah. Shocked he came back in the game. Happy he did because boy, do the Leafs need him. Yeah, he's important. That Lafferty camp combination without that third has been important to this team. Uh, we're going to get to more. Brendan Shanahan was in attendance last night. Some, that's not that's not nothing. No, no I haven't seen, I haven't seen him yet. Uh, embarrassing pregame for the Florida Panthers. Like that is not a Stanley <laughs> Cup pregame. You cannot go to a Stanley <laughs> Cup final rolling those anthem singers <sighs> and that sort of. Did you see the flag? I did. So I saw you put it in our dock. I actually didn't see the flag. I was so offended. And I actually thought they were going to do what it seems like all American teams do, where they bring out somebody to just butcher our national anthem. And then they're like, now and, they here's, their own. and here's our girl. And they like exactly like what they did in Tampa with the blue lipstick and everything. No, they 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 subjected America to it the exact same. So I guess I have to 
I was about to give him credit, but no, just shame on you all around, Florida Panthers. Yeah, that's terrible. Uh, we will get to that. We will get to Kipper. We will take your calls at 730-416-870-0590-188-666-0590 or star 590 on your cell phone, your Rogers cell phone, that is. And you can text us anytime at 590-590. We will do the A-list and Kipper after the break. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkus Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, back on the Fan Morning Show. Got to be quick here with the A-list. Gunner, do you suffer at all from the hiccups? Is it something you deal with? I am genuinely deathly afraid of it because of our line of work. My wife started hiccuping the other day and I like full on like made the cross <laughs> with the fingers I don't think and, it's and hissed at her and said, <laughs> get away. I am so scared of it. I am afraid I'm going to be one of these cases of like, he had it for 30 years and it was the end of his broadcasting dream. And it'll be said in that old time in news voice for some reason. So yes, deathly afraid of the hiccups. Well, it's good that one of the greatest athletes of all time didn't transition into a radio career <laughs> post. Uh, Bo Jackson has done apparently everything trying to combat near a nearly year-long battle with the hiccups, which includes smelling the backside of a porcupine. Uh, he's going to go so he, Southern. He's my gonna, goodness. He's going to have <laughs> surgery. He's scheduled for surgery to deal with this. But like, you know, if it's rehab or surgery, right? You're trying to choose between the two. You try rehab first. Gotta apparently try rehab in the hiccup world is a porcupine's backside i gotta ask you how could it how could anyone possibly come up with the idea that fixing hiccups would be possible by using a porcupine's here i'm not gonna know what the next word is you know what the next word is very good sam man i'm not gonna say that this is how they arrived at it but this is how i would arrive at it well if bo jackson can't beat it we might as well try literally anything he's only the greatest (laughs) athlete of all of humanity's history that that's all i don't know somebody's gonna come on the text line big jim thorpe guy like no he was the best he that's the best athlete we've ever seen and i barely saw him but so for anybody my age and younger i don't want to hear oh there's a better no no that's the best and if even he cannot escape the vengeance that is the hiccups all i'm i've just been proven Proof positive who, that I should be afraid of him. Who ran through the gamut of animals trying to figure out which one might have the qualities? I bet it was Bo Jackson. I, this <laughs> is a guy who, for his workouts, it's like, what do you do for workouts? I go shoot a deer with a bow, I throw it over my shoulder, and I carry it home. That's the workout. You don't think he tried smelling something else in the woods before he got to porcupine? Think about how dangerous that one is. Think about all the other things you could have smelled before you got to porcupine. You know, like all the other animals that don't have spikes covering them. Yeah. He quote, I have done everything. Scare me. Drink water upside down. Smell the of a porcupine. It doesn't work. He said, (laughs) it's a little sad that one of the greatest athletes ever (laughs) just can't deal with the hiccups. I guess we all have our, uh, our weaknesses. I guess I've. Man, I'm not a better man than Bo Jackson, so hiccups, stay away. Uh, We are taking your calls at 7.30, but before that, we're going to have Nick Kiprios to talk about Game 4 of the Eastern Conference Semifinal. The Maple Leafs win and stay alive. They're coming home for Game 5 on Friday night. We will talk about that with Kipper next.